are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everybody, to the Batflip Podcast. This is episode 13. My name is Damian. I'm here with my co-host, Matt. Uh, we got a packed show for you today. We got some uh, some managers being hired, um, some options being declined, and the official start of free agency. Yeah, um, it's gonna already been a pretty crazy week with all the different decisions being made on uh, player options and everything this week. And uh, you know, our free, like you said, free agency officially starting um, today, actually. And um, you know, obviously, it's gonna be a long off season. So um, you know, we're gonna go ahead and uh, in this episode make our fifth predictions on fifteen of the top free agents, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get into it here. Yeah, this. Uh... This off season is gonna be like an off season we've never seen before. Um, it's gonna be a very very slow paced off season. Uh, this is not like the NFL and the NBA where uh, they have as soon as free agency opens, half the league is already signed pretty much. Um, baseball is very slow and methodical with it, uh, and especially with uh, the way that COVID has impacted the owners and just MLB in general this season. Um, You've, you'll see by some of the options and stuff we talk about that it's they're penny pinching. A lot of lot of owners are penny pinching now, and uh, so we're we have no idea what this market is going to look like this year, uh, and where where free agents are going to go and how much money people are going to get. Yeah, and, and it's going to be weird because I, I think part of this stuff that a, a lot of these options be declined and everything is in preparation for the potential to have reduced payrolls this coming up year from, from a lot of teams. But it also might be a, a little bit of a, you know, it, it might be more, like I say, pre- preparation than it is that they're for sure not going to spend any money and they're going to reduce their payrolls because nobody knows what it's going to look like at the beginning of next year. Nobody knows where the economy is going to be at. Nobody knows where the uh, you know the, the, the COVID situation is going to be at and if they're going to be able to have full crowds or half crowds or no crowds or what. If they're going to start on time, which I would assume they probably will start on time at this point, um, having just finished a, a fairly successful season um, that, that was obviously shortened. But um, I think um, I, I think we're going to see a free agency be pretty slow. You might actually end up seeing some trades be a, a bigger way for teams to acquire talent, as in maybe being able to move for a move for a um, for a, uh, a a very cost controlled player by giving up a prospect premium. You might see some of that this year, while the teams are uncertain, especially if a team wants to go for it next year and try to win. Um, but we'll we'll see. It's going to be an interesting off season for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we're just going to head and, and get started on this. We had three managerial openings this year, um, which was the Chicago White Sox, the Detroit Tigers, and the Boston Red Sox. Um, and Chicago has hired their manager, and they they went back to one of their old managers from 1979 to 1986. Tony La Russa managed the Chicago White Sox. Uh, he was you, you found a little interesting nugget about Tony La Russa with the White Sox. Yeah, um, so obviously this is shocking to start with that Tony La Russa has decided to come back to, to manage baseball team. I believe he's 76 years old and yep. uh, very surprising, um, but he has a had a very successful career. Um, for, had a, has a 1,408 wins in his career, which is third all time. He's, a, he's already an MLB Hall of Famer. Um, he's a three-time World Series champ. And uh, he's uh, and like you said, he's managed the White Sox. He also managed Oakland and St. Louis, uh, where he won his World Series titles. But that little nugget you were talking about the uh, the White Sox actually fired him in the middle of the 1986 season, and three weeks later he was picked up by Oakland to be their new manager, and that's where his career really took off. So uh, I thought that was very interesting that um, that Chicago that I I never knew that that Chicago fired him mid season and. Um, I bet they regretted that for a while, and um, I think part of that regret might be why the owner just decided to bring him back now. So um, this is a very interesting move. It's going to be really interesting to see how this one works out. Yeah, and a little interesting thing I found is that um, Tony La Russa once managed Minnie Minoso with the Chicago White Sox. Minnie Minoso was born um, November 29th of ni- in 1925. He will now be managing a kid by the name of Dylan Cease 
who was born December 28th of 1995. And he's going to be managing them both for the White Sox. So what in this sense, Minnie Minoso was over 70 years old when Dylan Cease was actually born. And now Jeez. Tony La Russa is going to be managing Dylan Cease in the major leagues. That's just – I mean, that's kind of – that's nutty. I mean, that really is. And, I mean, you think about – I, I, I just, I just have no idea how this is going to work out because you bring yeah. up a stat like that, and you know the game has changed so much since, since that time. And of course, you know he's been around as recently as 2011 as a manager, and he stayed in the game. But um, you know, how's this going to work out? The game's changed a lot just since 2011, and in the, in the, in the what's about to be 10 years since then. And um, it's, it's, it's something where as, as Tony Larusa has he adapted? How's, how well is he going to fit with a young, young team? I mean, they've got a lot of you know, like Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez and Young Moncada, they got a lot of young guys in that clubhouse. Dylan Cease, like you mentioned, um, and it's going to be interesting to see how the, how he meshes with these guys. And uh, I think it could work out. I mean, obviously Tony Larusa has done it before, and he knows what it's all about. But um, it's going to be interesting for sure. I, I, you know, it's a weird, it's a very weird hire, and. I think it's quite obvious this isn't, this isn't a super long-term type thing. I mean, it's not like Tony LaRusso is going to be managing this team for the next 15 years. So uh, it's it's definitely uh, – this is definitely interesting for sure. Yeah, and, and how's he going to adapt with the team that is very on the forefront of bat flipping and showing their emotions and being real brash out there, whereas in Tony LaRusso is obviously an old-school manager who does things by a book. He does things – he was the Cardinals manager for a long time. I mean, that's where the, the Cardinals way kind of came from. I mean, he has a certain way of just going about your business, just put your head down and do what you do, yeah. um, and everything else will work out. And now he's got to kind of adjust to you know, the best of both worlds, but where can he make that a possibility but also not take away the ki- these kids' enjoyment of the game? Yeah, and, and not to mention the fact that with a lot of the new analytics that have, you know, that I think that's something where you're going to see Tony Larusa. How's he? How has he? How does he read into these analytics? And you know, is he gonna? Is he gonna put? You know, is he gonna put his highest batting average hitting first, or is he gonna? You know, try to put in? You know, put his hitters in in an order that's more analytically friendly. Is I, I think it's going to be interesting to see because I think you know. If you look at like Luis Robert, you know where's he going to end up hitting? Is he going to hit him lead off? Is he going to hit him second? Is he going to hit Tim Anderson lead off? It's it's right. really hard to say exactly how this is going to work because there's going to be a time where, um, you know, back when Tony Larusso was a big league man, was a big time manager, that your best hitter might get the fifth most at bats on the team because he's hitting fourth or fifth. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then but nowadays, obviously, it, it's been kind of shown to be better to hit your best hitter second in the order or first. So it's going to be interesting to see how he manages. And I mean, who, who knows, you know, maybe in his interviews and stuff, maybe he's, you know, changed his opinion on some things and he it's accepted the way the game is now and wants to, you know, show he can do it. So um, it'll be very interesting. Um, as we, as we did it, when you did our research on him, it, he is actually only like, I think you, you might know the closer number, but I think he's like 30 wins away from second on the all time wins list. Said he was third uh, and he currently like- is third, but. I want to say it was like 50 or 60, but it is close. He should pass him next year. Yeah, so he's, he's going to become second on the all-time wins list this, this coming up season. Um, yeah. Very interesting, um, to say the least. And then, uh, <laughs> as controversial as the Tony LaRusso hire was, we've got another hire that was pretty dang controversial by the uh, Detroit Tigers. Yeah, it's it's weird because as much as LaRusso wasn't a – you know, not many people thought he was a candidate for the job, and actually a lot of people within – the Chicago White Sox front office and kind of daily workings wanted to hire AJ Hinch, who was the old Astros manager, and uh, the Jerry Reinsdorf, the uh, owner of the White Sox, said, "No, we're hiring Larusa," and therefore they get to deal with AJ Hinch in their division for the next 10 to 15 years or however long it is, because AJ Hinch has been hired by the Detroit Tigers, taking over for Ron Gardenhire, who had to retire due to health issues. Yes, um, AJ Hinch obviously um, is remembered from his time in Houston from 2015 to 2019. He also uh, he did manage in Arizona for a couple of years back in uh, 2009 and 2010. Um, of course, he's got a very good record as a big league manager: 570 and 452 record. 
um, which is, I believe it was, it was top 30 on the all-time win percentage list. Um, he was the, the controversial part obviously is that 2017 world series championship that he won with the Astros. And then the fallout of the sign stealing scandal that, um, netted him a one-year suspension in 2020 which um this is he'll be coming back from this will be his first games managed since then um interesting um you know his involvement in that in that scandal was definitely kind of weird I, I think that he he wanted to um he, he wanted to not upset some of the veteran players on that team that were kind of part of that so it was hard for him to shut it down he said and stuff obviously he should have shut it down but he was against against it kind of the whole time type deal um so he did but he didn't want his clubhouse to turn against him so he kind of turned his turned his head to it so it's not like aj hinch was super into it but he also let it happen under his watch so it's hard to say you know i'm sure we you know everyone has their opinion on that but um as just a manager i think it's a good hire yeah, he, he is a very good manager. Um, he went to Houston just as they were kind of hitting that turnaround period where those young guys, that homegrown talent that they had, kind of needed that last extra push to get up to playoffs and World Series contention. And AJ Hinch is a fantastic, fantastic manager. Um, outside of all of the the uh, the sign stealing stuff, you know, before that, he was considered probably the top, if not top two or three manager in the entire game. Um, so this is a fantastic hire for that young rebuilding Detroit team uh, and, and somebody who's going to bring that playoff and that World Series experience um, from the managerial seat, being able to help kind of, you know, he got there right at Houston right at the time as they were getting the push up. Detroit's a little farther away from that, but Hinch is going to be fantastic for that team and, and getting them in the right footing to uh, to start being a competitive baseball team again. Yes, that's, I mean, like I say, there's not much you can, uh, I mean, it, depending on what you think about that, the, the cheating scandal and the one-year suspension and, and his involvement specifically in that, uh, I mean, I think Hinch is a great hire for them if you're not too worried about that. So, uh, but let's move on. Um, we've got well, a, um, what's I up? To, I just wanted to hit on the last team that has a managerial opening. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. that, is, that is the Boston Red Sox. Uh, they have – it looks like they're down to about four or five finalists uh, for that seat. So hopefully by the time we talk to you guys next week, that seat will be filled uh, and we can bring that to you. Yeah, I know Alex Cora is a uh, candidate for that, which he was their manager when they won the World Series in 2018. And his involvement in that sign-stealing scandal was he was the bench coach, I believe, for the yep. uh, for the yep. Astros, was um, a lot heavier than Hinges. That's why he drew the one-year suspension. So this is going to be very interesting to see if they bring him back. Yeah. So, well, let's go ahead and jump over to um, some of the most notable options that we, uh, we found that got declined this week. Um, Colton Wong, which is Cardinals' second baseman, had his, uh, I think it was 12.5, million dollar option declined uh brad hand who led the uh, major leagues in saves this year uh got his option declined brett gardner who's been a yankee for his entire career got his option declined charlie morton uh, got his option from the tampa bay rays declined mitch moreland uh, got his three million dollar option declined from the padres and Carlos Santana got his option denied, and I believe he said it was seventeen and a half. It was about it was seventeen and a half. So it's seventeen and a half million from the Indians. So um, some of these are really surprising. I, I'm surprised at Colton Wong getting declined because he had kind of turned the corner a little bit the last couple of years. Um, had gotten a little bit, had improved a little bit offensively, and his defense at second base is, you know, some of the best in the league. Um, Brad Hand. Um, I mean, he led the majors in saves last year, as you said. I'm surprised that they declined his option to be to be serious. Um, I think that Brad yeah, Hand's I mean, one of the best relievers in baseball. They invested a lot of prospect capital to get him back in, I believe it was 20, 2018 when they traded for him. I really don't understand declining that option because it was, I mean, I feel like it was probably about his what his value should have been or maybe even a little less i thought it was fairly team friendly and but honestly um 
you saw that none of the teams claimed him because he was put on waivers, I, I believe, after he, he was declined. No, nobody claimed him, so that was pretty surprising. Yeah, um, for ten. I mean, it was only ten million dollars, and he's a very, I mean, very serviceable major league reliever, back end closer. I mean, led the yeah. league in saves this year, and nobody's willing to grab him for ten million dollars. So, if that's the case, I mean, that's a sign that this market is going to head down a very, very slippery slope this year. Yeah, for sure. And um, Charlie Morton got declined. His option was $15 million. And um, that was kind of interesting. I'm pretty surprised that they declined that one. Um, I don't know about you, but he had a – he didn't have a great season this year, but he still was – you know, he he did well in the playoffs, and he was a – you know, he's a good player. He's a really good pitcher. He'll probably get signed for around $15 million, if not more. But I do understand with the Rays uh, having that low payroll, you know, a $15 million option, if you're not a, totally sure about a player, it's probably not the best thing to look at. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm surprised that they, they declined his option too. Um, Charlie Morton has said many times over that he's very much think, considering retirement. And he said before the World Series that if the Rays declined his option, that he would con- pretty much just retire. Um, so it's going to be very fascinating to see if the Rays were like, hey, we, we don't want to pay you $15 million, but we still want you back. Um, his family is from the Tampa Bay, Florida area, so he doesn't want to go to any other team. Um, so it could be a thing where they were like, hey, you know, can we sign you to an 8 to $9 million kind of save you know, five, six million dollars this year, and kind of just help the salary. Um, so it, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with Charlie Morton. I, I expect that if he if he does play, he will be back in Tampa, though. Yeah, that would be uh, that would that would make sense. And I mean, there's other teams around there. Like, you know, he was uh, originally a Brave. You could maybe see the uh, the Braves will probably pick up a, a guy on a one year deal, um, a pitcher, starting pitcher on a one year deal, like a veteran type guy. That would be a good fit there. I don't know if he would go back to the Braves. And like you said, I mean, you, he could very much go back to Tampa on a little bit little bit of a lower uh, lower cost. Um, you saw uh, Carlos Santana. That's not super surprising because he is a first base slash DH type who is, uh, you know, he's, he's up there in, in his in his age at this point. And um, he had a $17.5 million option, which is, you know, fairly high, especially for a, a very low uh, mid-market team like the um, – like the Cleveland Indians. So I get to very well see Santana going back to Cleveland for cheaper, kind of like you were talking about with Morton. Yeah, I can, I can too. He, this was his second go around in Cleveland. Um, and he just seems to thrive there. Seems to like the, the, the stadium that he hits in the, the fans, the city. I mean, he just seems to have a lot, uh, yeah, a lot going on in the Cleveland area. So I, I think he, he's definitely an option to go back at a cheaper deal. Um, but let's go ahead and jump over to the qualifying offers um, that were out. So for those of you that don't know, qualifying offers pretty much just give um, the team that controls that player. So for instance, we'll say JT Real Muto. He was traded to the Phillies um, two years ago. He's going to be a free agent this year. So what the Phillies can do is they can say, okay, we're going to give you an offer of a one-year $18.9 million contract. Um, and if you go out to the free agency market and you decline this offer, they, they can still negotiate with them and, and negotiate a contract um, outside of that qualifying offer. But pretty much what that just does is it says that if you go sign with another team, that team has to forfeit a draft pick, and we get a draft pick after the first round um, the following season. So let's just say JT Rumuto goes and signs with the Mets. Then the Mets will then have to forfeit their first round pick well, then the Phillies will gain a pick right after the first round. Yes, and it does depend on where that pick is, whether or not you forfeit your first or second rounder. If you are, I believe it's the top 10, it might be the top 15 picks. I think it's top 10. I think it's top 10, okay. So top 10 picks in the first round, then you don't forfeit your first rounder, but you do forfeit your second rounder, if that makes sense. And then the team that receives a pick back gets them in the competitive balance round. So like the... Right after the first round, they would get like the 31st or 32nd pick or something would be theirs. Mm-hmm. So um, the players with uh, qualifying offers, and uh, we'll we'll talk about the teams that they're getting them from as well. Real Muto is getting one from the Phillies. 
DJ LeMayhew from the Yankees, Trevor Bauer from the Reds, no surprises there. George Springer from the Astros. Marcus Stroman from the Mets is not a shock, but I could maybe see him taking that qualifying offer for $18.9 million this offseason with it with it being such a weird offseason and, and not a lot of uncertainty about you know how much money teams are going to be willing to spend, and uh, the shocking one, and I was surprised by this, and I don't, I don't know about you, but Kevin Gossman got a qualifying offer, and I like Kevin Gossman. He had a, he had a pretty good year this year, but my gosh, that's, um, I'd be, I would have been surprised if he had gotten a two-year, twenty million dollar deal. So yeah, um, Kevin Gossman's going to get the one. Me- I, I would be shocked if he didn't take that. Yeah, I, I've heard that he was negotiating with the Giants on a, a multi-year deal, anyways, but. I was surprised that if he would have got $10 million, like you said, out in the open market, and for him to get the 18.9 just shows how much that the Giants want to bring him back because he, if he does not take that deal, he's going to be losing out on quite a bit of money this offseason. Uh, and, and if he does take it, then pretty much he can continue negotiating with the Giants, um, and if nothing works out, then the Giants can trade him, and then he goes out to the free agent market next year with no draft pick compensation attached to him at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very unfortunate for Kevin Gossman uh, on his side because, um, you know, if he was looking for a a change of scenery and a, and and having a multi-year deal, which would have been a little bit more total money, um, you know, he's just not going to get that now because nobody, I, I doubt people would assign him to a, a big deal to start with, and um, you know, now having a draft pick attached to him, there's even more risk involved in that. So, or penalty to signing him. So I, I'd be surprised, but I mean, I've seen crazier things. He might decline it. Who knows? But I, I would be very surprised if he declined that. Yeah. So we're pretty much all sure that JT Remuto, DJ LeMahieu, Trevor Bauer, and George Springer are going to decline these. Um, they're in, in the seat for a lot, a lot of money this off season. Yep. Mark Stroman is a fascinating case. Um, he is a very proven major league starter. He's I, I consider him a high end number two. Um, some consider him a low end two, high end three. Um, but he can he can take this offer and come back to the Mets after an injury riddled year that he I don't th- even think he pitched in the majors this year. No. If he did, it was one game. He had the injury and then he opted out. So yeah, so he has he didn't even pitch in the majors this year. Um, so going out to the market. And signing a guy to big money who you haven't seen in a year, it was actually coming off an injury anyways. I mean, not many teams want to do that, especially in then what we don't know what this offseason is going to be. It, it's a bigger risk for Strowman, uh, but he's also a guy that usually bets on himself. Um, so I can very much see him accepting this one-year you know, offer, which is more money than he would probably get overall anyways. And if he's out on the market, he'd probably get you know, a – 15 to 16 million dollars a year and this is a chance at close to 19 uh so he could take that and then you know have a strong year with the mets and go back out next year same thing with gossman with no uh no draft pick attached to him and probably even be the top free agent starter next year yeah and if you're stroman or gossman too you accept this offer and, and next year you come back and if, if things are more back to normal revenue wise for teams um they'll be more willing to pay and you know, you take a one-year deal this year. I, I'd be surprised if, if Gossman, especially if he got more than, you know, he he might get more total money, but his at his age and kind of the trajectory that he's on, having a little bit of a bounce back year this past year, if he proves it that that was a real thing, this coming up year, he could be in for a pretty good payday compared to. I mean, he could he could be hitting twenty, you know, fifteen to twenty million uh, of annual value. Whereas, I mean, I doubt he would have gotten more than ten million dollars annually with with the way that he, you know his career has gone so far and Strowman probably would have gotten $15 million annually, maybe, but I would think he'd be a little bit more on the low side of that for Strowman. I think it's going to be more of, I feel like I can do more next off season. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see what those two do. Um, so, and we'll talk a little bit more about Strowman here in a minute. Um, but well, we'd like to go on into our uh, free agency preview of I think we're going to give our top 15 free agents or, or top 15 of the top free agents. There's a lot of debate on who could be like the 10th to 5th to 20th best free agent out there. But uh, we're going to give our predictions on the team they go to and how much money they make. And um, I believe we're going to start here with uh, one of your guys from the Los Angeles Dodgers, Jock Peterson. 
yeah, big jock. Um, I don't. He he's a fascinating case because the Dodgers uh, looked at trading him last year. Actually, had a deal um, figured out with the Los Angeles Angels um, to send him and Ross Stripling over there. But that deal got kind of nixed because the owner, Artie Marino, didn't want to wait for the Mookie Betts trade to be finalized. Um, so pretty much Jock Peterson came back. Um, so he, he's a, he's an interesting case because he's more of a platoon DH. Um, but when he's in there against righties, he's amazing. I mean, he's, he's hit 30 home runs uh, before just basically playing righties only. Um, so I have him going and actually signing with the Atlanta Braves. Um, what did I have him going for? I had him going for three years at $35 million. Yeah, and, and um, it's interesting. I, I think he's a perfect fit for the Braves as well and what they want to do. Um, and, and a little bit of this depends on the uh, whether or not the – and a lot of these guys that we're about to talk about depend on a little bit of, of whether the NL – permanently adopts the dh or not um because i think if peterson go if they do have the dh i think that the le left field will be a big spot for the braves next year and that peterson would then platoon maybe with adam duvall and left field which would give you a really good one two platoon with duvall hitting lefties as well as he does and then bring in jock peterson who hits righties extremely well um you could hard platoon there and just it would be Incredible. I think Jock Peterson does have the talent to where he could eventually he could end up being an everyday type player. I mean, he obviously can hit right-handed pitching extremely well. If he just works on his approach a little bit, he might even be able to improve against left-handed pitching to a certain level. And I, like you say, you know, DH, you know, he could definitely he's probably best suited going forward as a DH. But I do think he's still adequate left field to the point to where I wouldn't worry about throwing him out there against right in, in danger playing right-handed pitching, especially if you're the Braves and you have Adam Duvall out there who you can maybe bring in as a defensive replacement. So um, I have him signing with the Braves on a two-year, 220, uh, not 200, a two-year, $25 million contract. Yeah, he's a, like we said, he, he's, he's a fantastic major league player. Um, it, it's going to be weird to see where he can actually go because of, you know, if, if the NL adopts the DH or not. Um, so our next guy we had was James Paxton, um, New York Yankees left-handed pitcher. Coming off an injury-riddled year, um, didn't look the best even when he was out there. Um, so I just have him pretty much re-signing with the Yankees for one year at $9 million. Um, just kind of another prove-yourself deal, uh, and the Yankees need the pitching, and why not bring back a guy that they've, had for a couple years and just see if he can rekindle it and then Paxton can go back out to the market next year. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Paxton, I, I believe, I mean, I believe when he's fully healthy and he's on, he's an ace level pitcher. I mean, he, he's shown it before. He was an ace for a while in, in uh, Seattle with the Mariners. Um, he's, uh, I think that he gets. I think that he does take a one year deal. Um, at, you know, like like you said, trying to kind of on a prove it deal because um, this is a guy that if he comes back and shows he can stay healthy for a full season which health has been a problem in the past not just this past year as well um, you could see him coming out and, and you know if he's healthy pitching an ace level season I mean he's got all the stuff he's a hard thrower from the left side from you know as a lefty um, I have him actually going to the Blue Jays he's a uh, he's a Canadian um, and I thought think that would be a you know, I, I was trying to think of teams that needed pitching, and I think the Blue Jays could definitely use a guy who's a, you know, a kind of a stopgap type in their rotation that, you know, can come in and they, they're coming off of, of, a, a, a playoff season and they have a young team, a lot of young offensive players. You bring in Paxton and, you know, improve that rotation a little bit for this year. If he has a bad year and he's not healthy, then, you know, so be it. But if he could also have a just an extremely good ace level season like he has before, and uh, then you've got yourself a, uh, you know, a very valuable piece, whether you move him at the deadline if you're out of it or, you know, make a playoff run with him. So I, I think Paxton goes to the Blue Jays. I got one year, $15 million. I think he gets a little bit more money just because of taking that one year deal and the fact that he's uh, been so good in the past. Big Maple going back home. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, he actually threw a no hitter in Toronto before, he did. didn't he? Uh, yeah. I believe it was in Toronto. Yeah, it was when he was a member of the uh, Seattle Mariners. So. Yep. Well, our next guy we have is Didi Gregorius, former New York Yankees shortstop, signed a one-year deal this past offseason with the Philadelphia Phillies. Had a pretty good year. Um, I could definitely see the Phillies re-signing him, uh, but I think I actually have the Phillies signing another shortstop that uh, we will hit on just a little bit. But I have Didi Gregorius going to the Los Angeles Angels for three years and 64 million dollars um they're needing another left-handed bat in that lineup um that's pretty solid uh, and Dalton simmons is now gone and they have shown the willingness to not pay up for pitching and just go to the offensive side of the ball so uh dd is I, I think he's a pretty good fit in the in anaheim yeah it'll be interesting um i could i could see that um i have him just going back to the phillies i don't think he gets quite as much money i, I have him at three years 40 million dollars i think he the Phillies obviously will need a shortstop again, and um, I don't think there's an obvious guy that they could, you know, move over there or a guy coming up for them. Um, I, so I could see him going back there, and you know, I think they gave him a multi-year deal. He's he was a really good player for the Yankees, and he had a pretty good year in Philly. He's he's a nice defensive player, has a little bit of pop, can hit. I mean, I think he's a solid player, and I think. Three-year, forty-million-dollar deal would make sense for him. Um, you know, maybe in a different off-season he gets a little bit more, but I say it's about what he gets this time. So, well, I'll let you go next. Uh, go first on the next guy, and that is Masahiro Tanaka. Yeah, Tanaka is an interesting situation. He's a guy who's battled injury at times, uh, maybe battled a little bit of consistency, um, but I actually have him going to the Braves on a one-year deal. Um, I have him at $15 million, kind of like I had Paxton. Um, he's a guy who, he's a little bit similar to Paxton with his history. He's had an ace-level season. He's got really good stuff. Um, he has battled injuries a few times, and obviously he was a teammate of Paxton this past year in, in New York. So um, the Braves are probably going to sign one a, a pitcher to a one-year deal, a uh, veteran pitcher, you know, as, as they did this past year with uh, with Cole Hamels the year year before with, um, you know, with Dallas Keuchel. Uh, I, I, I definitely think that you see him uh, or you see the Braves, whether it's Tanaka, who I, I kind of, you know, predicting, or it could also be Charlie Morton if he decides to, to not retire, you know, now that he's a free agent. Um, there's a few different choices they could go to, but, you know, I have Tanaka go into the Braves. I think it makes sense. Yeah, I have Tanaka just staying in New York. Um, I think he's found a home with the Yankees. Uh, I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. I believe he might have had a deal lined, almost lined up to come play for the Angels, if I'm not mistaken. I could be very wrong on that when he came over. Um, but I just think that New York is his home and where he's found. So I have him staying in New York at a 3 for 35. Yeah, and that, that makes sense too. So, Well, our next one on our list is... Michael Brantley. Um, I have Michael Brantley just going, kind of going back to his old roots, uh, going back to Cleveland. They're in need of outfield help. Uh, and, and Michael Brantley, he, he struggled with injury when he was there before, um, but he's shown the ability to, when he is healthy, just to rake at the plate. Uh, doesn't hit for much power, but you can just hit the ball all over the field. Uh, he's did it with Houston. I don't think he goes back to Houston. I just think Cleveland... It, it makes too much sense, and I have him going for three at 50. Yeah, I have Brantley going back to Houston, actually. Um, I think he's liked his time in Houston. Um, he's, you know, kept continued as a good player there, and uh, has really, uh, like you say, he's just a guy that hits the ball in all fields. He's a, one of the best contact hitters in, in, in baseball, and uh, he, I don't, he's not a great defender anymore, but you can still stick him out there in left field. Um, the Indians do make sense. I do worry about the Indians having too many of the left field DH types, at, at, you know, with things like Fran Mil Reyes and, uh, you know, having traded for Josh Naylor, this is another guy that would pretty much be relegated to left field slash DH. And, uh, you know, that, that would give them three of those guys. So, um, I think he fits well in the in the Houston lineup. Um, you know, he had a good season this year. That the team went to the ALCS, so I, I see him coming back to Houston. Um, he is 34, I believe. So, 
Um, I don't think he signs a long, long-term deal or anything, but three years, $35 million, a little bit cheaper. Um, I know his last deal was a lot was a lot more underwhelming than a lot of people expected uh, when he originally signed with the Astros, and um, I think he I think he just stays there. So. Yeah, it's not not too bad of a not too bad of a call. Next up is Liam Hendricks, um, closer for the Oakland Athletics. Uh, has pretty much proved the last couple of years to be one of the best closers in the game. Um, been able to be very consistent. I I think that a team that is in desperate need of bullpen help, especially a back end closer type, is the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, they've had bad stretches where they've signed a guy like David Robertson who hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, and then they traded for, you know, Brandon Workman and Heath Hembree this year, and both of those guys are now gone. Um, so Philadelphia just makes a lot of sense to me in, in throwing money at that bullpen. So I have him going for four at 60. Yeah, that's, that, that would make a ton of sense. I think it's too much sense, honestly, that he would that the Phillies would go after him. I think he's the best uh, the best relief pitcher available. Other, I mean, you could maybe argue for Brad Hand, but I do think Hendricks is the best one out there. He can see a guy that can pitch multiple innings out of the bullpen as well. Um, I have him actually going to the Dodgers, uh, three or $40 million. I think he the Dodgers will soon try to look for a guy that can replace Kenley Jansen in that closer role. Um, you kind of saw it down the stretch this year. Kenley Jansen is not quite as consistent as he once was. He still has times where he looks really, really good, but um, you know he's he's up there in age now a little bit, and he's just not quite as consistent. I think you go out there and you get Hendricks, and you bring in a guy who obviously has that closing experience and has the stuff to be a, a lockdown guy. Um, I could see him going back to the A's, although. I'm a little worried about the A's spending money on relievers, um, you know, especially, you know, a guy who's going to, you know, command at least he's going to command at least ten million dollars a year. I mean, I have him signing a very similar deal to what the Braves signed Will Smith to this past offseason. Um, and um, I think the Dodgers make sense for him. Phillies make so much sense, but I, I do think that they're money situation is going to be. I mean, I've got them signing Gregorius and Real Muto, spoiler alert. Um, but uh, that's gonna be they're gonna they've got a lot of money tied up already, so I don't know how much they're gonna be willing to throw at a at a specific guy. I think they're just gonna probably piece together some some you know one year five million dollar type guys to build some depth in that bullpen. I could see it. Um, I I just think they need that shutdown guy as well. Um, so we'll go ahead and jump over to Marcelo Zuna. Uh, fan favorite of yours, I know. Oh yeah. Um, I actually have Marcelo Zuna not resigning in Atlanta, but I have him going to replace another outfielder that is leaving the city of Houston. Um, I see the Astros signing Marcelo Zuna for four years at a hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I I think part of that might depend on Brantley too, whether the Astros go after somebody because Brantley's a, a potential DH for them as well. But um, I could see I could see Ozuna leaving. Um, I think a lot of it depends on how willing the Braves are to spend this offseason with uh with the the revenue situation. Um, I have him coming back to Atlanta on a four year ninety million dollar deal. Um, I I think that. A lot of this has to do with the DH situation because I don't think the Braves will be willing to pay him as much if the NL doesn't have a DH. So I think, uh, but if you look at, I mean, he fit extremely well in that clubhouse. He had a good, really good season. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't worry too much about sticking him in left field for a season, even though he's not the best outfielder. But I mean, you know, it, it seems to me like a lot of teams are, are of that opinion that he really needs to be in a place where he could DH. So if they don't resign, if they don't bring the DH back in the NL next year, then I could see him go into signing with an AL team. Uh, Cause the Braves wouldn't then, then wouldn't offer him quite as much money, but um, I do have him coming back to Atlanta next year. So. Yeah. He, it, I could definitely see him going back to Atlanta. He, he flourished over there um, this year. I, I think he kind of found a home as well. I just don't know. I don't know what Alex Anthopoulos is going to do. Um, I don't know if he's going to try and focus on that or if he's going to try and just try and focus more on the pitching staff and throw their money that way because they haven't shown the willingness to kind of 
spend a lot of money at the same time. Um, you know, they they kind of let Josh Donaldson go last year. They kind of waited him out, but weren't willing to go past their certain number for him. Uh, and I could see the same thing happening with Marcelo Zuna. Um, but we'll go along to our next guy, which is uh, Boomstick, Nelson Cruz, a guy who's 41 years old and still able to hit 40 home runs with ease. Um, I think I feel like he's found a home in Minnesota. I don't think he wants to leave there. He's done very, very well. Um, that team is very up and coming, and his veteran leadership is is very nice with that club. Um, so I have him re-signing for two years at $38 million. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, Nelson Cruz is uh, still a really good player. Um, I have him going back to the Twins. I could maybe see him going to the Rangers as a farewell tour where he you know, started his career and, you know, uh, if, depending on whether the Rangers want to spend or not, but I, I do have him go back to the twins. I got one year, $15 million. I don't think the twins are going to be really willing to give him a second year at his age. So you never know when that fall off might come. Um, so I do, but I do have Cruz going back there. He had a really good year this year yet again. So he's a great player. Well, we'll jump to the next one, which is Justin Turner. Um, and I'll let you go ahead and start with Justin Turner. Yeah, your guy, Justin Turner from the Dodgers. Um, he, I have him actually going to the Cubs. I think mm. the Cubs are a team that's going to want to um, maybe give it one more go-round with, with their current core. And Justin Turner is a veteran guy who they can throw out there. And if the DH comes back, he might be suited for a DH role. Even though he still is a good infielder, he's also 36 years old and he has been declining in the field a little bit. Um, still a good guy at the plate, so you might see that a little bit. You can also limit a, limit somebody's uh, reps uh, if you have them as a part-time DH. Um, they're probably going to lose. They're, they're I say probably. They're possibly going to lose Chris Bryant in this upcoming offseason because he's going to be a free agent. So you might see, um, you know, then if, if he left, then Turner could take over for a one-year stopgap there if you do keep him around. So I have him for two years, $40 million. I think he's a really good player, um, and he would make sense there, in my opinion. And you can always throw Chris Bryant out in, in left field where he's also, you know, he is also good out there for the upcoming season if you're able to get Turner. That is straight pain. The Dodger fan, the side of me right now. Um, well, let's go ahead and jump to Marcus Stroman. Who, uh, who's, we kinda... your, who's your pick on Turner? Oh, yeah, sorry. I have <laughs> I have him resigning um, with the okay. Dodgers. I, I I picked two years, thirty million. Um, he's a he's an LA boy. Uh, went to Cal State Fullerton, uh, and I just feel that he's found a home in LA. I mean, he he loves being back in Southern California. I don't think he'll want to leave. Um, he's the leader of that team. Um, he's their rep for the for the players association, and he everybody on that team says that he's the heart and soul. Um, he might not be the best player on the team. You know, we got Mookie Betts, you have Corey Seager, you have Cody Bellinger, but he's one of the most important parts of that team. Um, and I just don't think there's a way that Andrew Friedman lets him go. Um, so I have him going back to the Dodgers. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So. We'll go ahead and jump to Marcus Stroman. Uh, we kind of talked to him a little bit earlier. Um, I hit that he should take the qualifying offer, um, and that's what I think he'll do. Uh, so I have him going back to the New York Mets on the qualifying offer. I do too. I don't think Stroman really likes being on the Mets, but maybe with the change of ownership, he will uh, change his mind on that. Um, but uh, I do have him going back there just because I think that that's the thing that makes the most financial sense for, for his case is to get, take that qualifying offer. But I do think that, um, you know, you could very well see him not take that offer and, and sign somewhere else on a one-year deal because he doesn't want to be with the Mets. So, Yeah. Well, we'll go jump to Marcus Semien, um, who's been a gold glove shortstop for the Oakland Athletics before. Uh, had a really down year this year. Uh, I think he's just going to be looking for a change of scenery. I don't think Oakland is going to be willing to kind of pay the money that they're going to need to bring uh, Marcus Semien back. And I think that the Philadelphia Phillies are going to do what they did with D.D. Gregorius last year. They jumped in, signed him to a one-year deal, um, get put him in a hitter's ballpark, let him flourish. And I think that's kind of what they'll do with Marcus Simeon, bring him in. And I, I have him going there for a one-year, $10 million. 
Yeah, and I, and I get that for sure. I, I'm, I am in agreement on the one-year deal for him. This is a guy who had an MVP-level season year before, you know, last year, and then this, you know, this season he he struggled a little bit. He had some had some injury problems for part of the season, and uh, I have him coming going back to the A's on a one-year, eighteen million dollar deal. I think he's a really good player, and um, I think that he could cash in on a long-term deal if he's able to kind of refine his. success his success that he had in, in uh, 2019 uh, next year in 2021 with the A's. So I could see, him, I, I see him probably going back to the A's, uh, but you know, that one year deal, you know, he could, he could sign anywhere with that. So next up is George Springer, uh, former Houston Astros center fielder. Um, he's pretty vocal, said that he doesn't want to go back to Houston. Um, so I don't, I don't, his market's going to be very weird because he's 31, um, but he's still a fantastic player. I I think that the San Francisco Giants are going to sign him. Um, they're a guy, they're a team that's been looking for their big outfielder for a while. You know, they were very much in the race for a uh, for Bryce Harper a couple years ago, and they just kind of are, are looking for that one stud guy. Um, so I got them signing him for five years at 110 million. Yeah, that that makes sense. I, I actually have him five years, one hundred fifteen million. So basically the same thing. Um, but I have him. Um, I, I had a really hard time deciding where I thought he was going to go because I don't really think he's going back to Houston. Um, I think that maybe um, I, I know there's a lot of rumors, or it's not really rumors, but just speculation that he might end up going to the Mets with their new ownership, and that they might take a try to make a splash and, and sign him. Um, I actually picked him to go to the Reds. Um, I mean. It, I feel like it's going to be a team nobody's really talking about, and the Reds could definitely use an outfielder um, and a big bat. They they had a, a great pitching rotation this year, but they never were able to really uh, to really figure it out with the bats. So um, I know that they've got um, the uh, they've they've got a few guys that they are throwing out center, but they really haven't stuck with a certain guy, a specific guy in center field. Uh, Springer can still kind of play center. He's probably more suited for a corner spot at this point. But, um, you know, I, I think I think he ends up going back to the Reds so, or going to the Reds. So five years, $115 million, like I said. But um, we'll go on, uh, move up to our uh, – we've only got three left here, and uh, we'll move up to DJ LeMayhew. Um, what you think, Damian, DJ LeMayhew? Yeah, I, I mean, last time he was a free agent, he kind of got shafted. Um, really, I mean, he was the best free agent second baseman out there, probably one of the top four or five free agents as well, and kind of had to wait a long time. Um, many people thought that the Dodgers would re-sign him, or not re-sign him, the Dodgers would sign him because they had a hole. Um, the Rockies were kind of in contention to re-sign him. Um, he ended up going to, to the Yankees for like two years and $24 million. I mean, every, all he's done since he's gone over there is hit and play fantastic fielding. Um, he's an MVP candidate the last couple years playing over there, uh, and I don't think that the Yankees are gonna are gonna let him go anywhere. Um, he's one of their hearts and souls of that club. So, I have him resigning with the Yankees for three years at fifty million. Yeah, and um, I I also have him go back to the Yankees. I think he's I, I think he loves hitting in Yankee Stadium. I think that. Has, has had something to do with a little bit of his success hitting the Yankee Stadium with hitting the home run ball. He's always been a guy who could, you know, spray the ball over the field and hit for, you know, doesn't strike out a lot. But um, I like him going back to the Yankees. Uh, I think the Yankees like him a lot. Their fans like him. Um, I have him actually signing a four-year, $75 million deal. Um, this is a guy who is a, uh, you know, as an MVP candidate. Like, you know, I, I, he is 32, and I think that's the thing that's going to limit him. But uh, I mean, he's an MVP candidate, so uh, I'll be I'll be surprised if he signs for anything less than, you know, eighteen to twenty million dollars a year. And I think he could get more, uh, but I think with this offseason, it might limit him a little bit. I think if he's going anywhere else, he might be pushing for that eighteen to twenty million dollars. Um, but just kind of being with the Yankees and and having that Stanton contract, that Cole contract, and, and I mean sixteen, and I think my mine was like sixteen point six million a year. Um, I think he'll he'll be willing to take that. Um, but we'll jump up to the best catcher in baseball, um, and that is JT Real Muto. Uh, it, we've talked a lot about him with the Sixto Sanchez this year from the Marlins. Um, there's been a a 
thing going around in Philadelphia that they should re-sign JT Romito from the minute that they got him. They should sign him to an extension. And it's been really weird with that Philadelphia ownership. They haven't – they've said that they've had talks, but talks have never really went anywhere. Um, the fans have been all over him to re-sign JT Romito. And if they if they let him walk out that door and go sign somewhere else, let it be the Mets or, or somewhere else, especially the Mets because they're in division, uh, the fans will rip – uh, the Middletons apart. Uh, so I have him going back to Philadelphia on a four-year, $75 million deal. Yeah, and this is this one's going to be interesting. Um, I think this one is maybe the second biggest wild card of this offseason because it's so hard to say whether Real Muto goes back to the Phillies. I, I think he's been frustrated there to a certain extent. Um, now... I think it's interesting whether the Phillies have money to sign him or not. Cause you know, I have them signing a couple other guys on this list and I mean, they're, they've already got so much money tied up in, in Bryce Harper. They've got some guys that they're going to want to resign soon. Like, like Aaron Nola, maybe um, he, he, it won't be too much longer until he's a free agent. It, it's one of those things where if you look at, if you look at the Phillies, they got a lot of money tied up in McCutcheon this coming up year. And he's, you know, kind of a, uh, he's kind of a wild card for how much value is he going to give you? And they got to fix that bullpen. So they have a lot of money they need to spend, but I couldn't really decide on another team. I know that he, that there has been interest from him, his side on the Braves. Uh, I read a rumor a while back, but I don't really think the Braves are going to tie up a, that much money in a, in a, uh, in a catcher, especially when they have a guy that's coming up a year who's, who could, who's going to play well, most likely and had a great season this past year. And Travis Darno. There's been a lot of rumors with the Mets, but of course I think they signed somebody. But um, you know, I think if Stroman goes back on that qualifying offer, that ties up twenty million dollars right there for them, and um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I know the Mets need a catcher, so they could very well do it. But I do have Romanto going back to the Phillies. I, I think he gets five years, one hundred million dollars. The Phillies really, really, really want to re-sign him, and there's a lot of embarrassment from that trade if they don't re-sign him because they didn't make the playoffs even even in an expanded year. And um, I think they do bring him back. And five years, a hundred million dollars. I think it's about what he gets regardless of where he goes. So, uh, but I do have him go back to Phillies mainly because I couldn't decide on which other team might pick him up. But, um, but I think it's the most likely scenario. So, well, we'll jump to our top free agent, um, and that's going to be Trevor Bauer. Uh, we've talked a lot about Trevor Bauer this year, um, and he's a he's absolutely deserving of being the best free agent available this year. I honestly don't know. I have no idea where he's going to go. I have no rumblings. There's, I mean, Trevor Bauer, as much as he's out there in the media and, and very much showing the behind-the-scenes process of everything he does, um, it's wide open for him. Um, he's said that he... Before, he said that he'll only take one-year deals, um, and now he's talking that he'll take any deal. Um, and then you got him and his agent saying that they'll even look at maybe Korea. Um, I don't think that's a real possibility, but it's just him going out there and saying things. Um, so honestly, I just threw something down. I'm not confident in this, and I might change it, but I decided to put down the New York Mets um, because they got that new owner. Uh, and I think that they're going to want to make a splash, uh, and they're not sure what you're going to get from Marcus Stroman, um, if he's even going to be back. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, you don't know he's coming off of surgery, and I don't even know if he's going to be available this next year. Um, he, I think Jacob... he should be. I think I think uh, on Syndergaard, I think he his Tommy John was back in the spring, so I think he should be ready to go at some point this year. Maybe not yeah, the beginning, but probably be a little bit later. Yeah. Um, and with Jacob DeGrom and, and outside of them, they'd have nothing. I mean, Steven Matz isn't that great. Um, they've been shuffling Seth Lugo and Robert Gazelman back and forth between the bullpen and the starting rotation. So I decided that the Mets were going to make a splash, their new billion-dollar owner, and sign Trevor Bauer to a seven-year, $175 million deal. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, I'd be very surprised uh... – I wouldn't. I wouldn't be totally surprised if the Mets made a move, but I do think it's a little more likely they make a move to to bolster their lineup a little bit, um, or maybe even their bullpen, um, especially with some of the guys they have returning from injury and stuff. Uh, I actually have Trevor Bauer going to, and, and I'm in the same boat as you when it comes to 
when it comes to um, when it comes to Trevor Bauer, and I, I have no idea where he's going. This guy is very eccentric. He's very different, and he says a lot of things that he he's he's just he's just a different type of guy. And um, I know he said the thing about the one year deals a while ago. I think what ends up happening, I think a team signs him to a big multi year deal, but gives him an opt out maybe like in year two of his contract. Where it's not tech, it's not a one year deal for the team for sure. It's not a one year deal for him, but they maybe kind of buy him out of a of a of a one year deal by giving him a second year and and having a later uh, and having a larger basically uh, relief fund in case he gets hurt or something. So um, I have him signing to the Padres actually. I, th- I know he's got a good friendship with Mike Clevenger, who, who's now at the Padres. Um, I know he really likes the, the, the that style of baseball the Padres play, the young team, the real exciting young team. I think that's something that attracts Trevor Bauer. He's a guy that he played uh, at UCLA, so he's you know a Southern California guy. I think he, he'd like to be there. Um, and I know the Padres have been the most aggressive team during the pandemic on spending money and, and, and making moves because – this trade deadline, they were very, very, very aggressive making moves, and uh, so I have Trevor Bauer going there and uh, to the Padres on an eight-year, two hundred million dollar deal, with the caveat that there's probably an opt-out early in that deal. Um, so um, that's a lot of money to tie up in a guy, especially when revenue is a uh, big-time question mark. But I mean, I think the Padres, like I say, they're one of the more aggressive teams this, you know, since the pandemic's been going on. And I think it's a good fit. I think they need another pitcher, um, you know, beyond their their two uh, really top starters that they have right now in Lamette and uh, and uh, Clevenger. So I have uh, Trevor Bauer going to the Padres. That'd be a lot of money they got tied up in three guys. Oh yeah, it would be with Machado oh. and Hosmer, and and then and then you add in Bauer, and it's Will gonna it would be one of those. And Will Meyer, it would be one of those really aggressive moves that they're saying we're going to go for it in this five-year window, and we're going to win it in this five-year window, or maybe twice. And then, but after that, we're going to have a lot of money tied up, and we're probably not going to be able to re-sign guys. So, yeah. um, it'll, it'll be, be interesting. I, I I know that they've already started conversations with the with Fernando Tatis about a uh, potential extension this off-season as well. So maybe that's something that can. You know they work in there, but that that is interesting. I mean, we're on the same point with how much money he gets per year. Uh, maybe pretty close on the years. Uh, just, but we have no idea where Trevor Bauer is going. Um, I mean, there, it, literally any team could sign him. I, if you told me that Trevor Bauer was going to go sign with the Baltimore Orioles, I would not be totally shocked. Uh, he is just that type of guy. I would. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Honestly, I think he's going. It, I think he goes to a team that's in contention. So. Hey, I would say the same thing for anybody else, but it's yeah. Trevor Bauer here we're talking about. I mean, if they offered him a one-year, forty-five million dollar contract, he would go do it right now. Oh yeah. Um, I know he wants to win, but it, that guy is so weird that he'd be willing to do something like that. Um, but that's that's pretty much our our predictions for the kind of fifteen guys we handpicked um, as our top free agents. Uh, there's free agency officially open today. There's gonna be a lot of wild rumors. Um, don't know how much we're going to have to talk about in the next week or so. But uh, hopefully hopefully we get some, if we don't get any real moves, hopefully we get some good juicy rumors that we can can have quite a bit of conversation on. Because I'm, uh, I'm very afraid that these uh, this offseason is going to drag on for a long time. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I think there's going to be some guys that sign early. But I do think that most of the players and most of the teams are going to wait it out because of not knowing what the financial situation is going to be for the teams next year. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for teams to go ahead and make that decision early on to sign a player. And, and then, you know, a player is probably going to want to wait and see if maybe maybe if things improve on the pandemic front later in the offseason, you're looking like you're going to have a full revenue season. Maybe the teams will be willing to pay more money out. So maybe the players get a little bit more. Um, and there's also the deal of, of the new CBA that we haven't seen yet. So that's, that's a factor we haven't really talked about. So, um, it's going to be an interesting off season. It's going to be a strange off season, but, um, I'm, a you know, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, real free agency for a contending team is can be a lot of times be like Christmas day. I mean, you wake up and you, you're getting all these new presents, you're getting all these new players and, 
um, it could be it's going to be very exciting for some teams. It's going to be disappointing for some teams too. So, yeah. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Bat Flip podcast, um, and we will catch you guys next week. Thank you guys.